<laughs> Guess what? What? Guess. No, you have to tell me. I want you to guess. But I don't know what I'm guessing. Oh my god. We are back with new Pass the Mic episodes. Yes. But we're back and we're better and we're bigger. <laughs> we are bigger. Yeah. B-I-G-G-E-R. Bigger. Yeah, you, you have to meet while we're bigger. So to my right is bigger number one. <laughs> Hello, I am apparently bigger number one. <laughs> um, I'm Monica. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I am the co-audio producer of Pass the Mic. Um, I'm an English major. My, I'm also minoring in history and community action social change for the School of Social Work. It's a very long minor name. Um, and I like to write as well. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Bigger number two has lost her voice, but we're just going to power through. <laughs> Hi. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm Rashika. As you can tell, I'm very, very sick. I hope my sick voice is sexy enough for y'all. I am studying space engineering. I am also a co-audio producer for Pass the Mic. Bigger number three. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ines. I am the audio engineer for Pass the Mic. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm a student at the School of Music studying performing arts technology. And I edit the sounds that you're listening to right now. Five women of color. We're really excited about We'd this. We'd love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> and we're hoping to be back and better than ever this semester with weekly episodes dropping Mondays on not just Apple Podcasts, but Spotify. Spotify. So you can find us on Spotify at Pass the Mic. You might have to add Michigan Daily on the search just to find it. And don't forget to subscribe, follow, and rate us. And you can also see what we're up to at the Michigan Daily or Michigan in Color Instagram account, which is just at Michigan in Color. And so we're super excited. This episode is kind of a hodgepodge of stuff that we recorded last semester so we interview a band and there's some sounds that they played and then we also interview a public health professor about her experience as a black woman through the healthcare system our next episode is dropping next monday and it's about climate justice and then the week after will be latinx heritage month and just for a little refresher we're gonna talk a little bit about ourselves although once you listen to us you'll get to know us every single week but anyway my name is Diera. i am a junior i'm a film television and media major and a creative writing minor and in my spare time i have a tv show called candid conversation you should check that out it's on youtube and also i write screenplays and make films we love art. <laughs> we love art. Uh, my name is Anarima. I am a senior in the public health, School of Public Health. Um, so I'm majoring in public health and minoring in art and design and applied statistics. I identify as Indian American, she, her, hers. I love photography. I like to draw. I have a photography page. It's just Anarima K Photography. And I love interdisciplinary ways to do things. I'm black, um, also, <laughs> and my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm queer. Yay. Yeah, I bet you guys did not forget that. So <laughs> now we're going to have our episode. Let us know, as always, if you want to be on the podcast, email us, and see you next time. Never forget to pass, pass the, the mic. mic.
Welcome to Pass the Mic. So we have a real treat for you. We have a live band feature for our creative of color. So Let's give it up for Modern Blue. Hello, guys. We are Modern Blue. My name is Deshaun Williams. I'm the lead singer. I'm Avery Schoenberger. I'm the keyboardist. Uh, we are currently missing a few members. We're missing our guitarist, Evan Dennis, our bassist, Nick Green, and our drummer, Alec Green. But we are excited to be here, make some music for y'all, and do what we do. <laughs> We're just going to do what we do. Just going to do what we do. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> places in my life and time I've sung a lot of songs I've made some bad rhymes I've acted on my life in stages with 10,000 people watching We were alone And I was singing this song to you I know your image of me Is what I hope to be I've treated you unkindly But darling, can't you see There's no one more important to me, yeah Darling, you see right through me We were alone and I was singing the song to you. You taught me precious secrets of a true love worth holding nothing. You came out in front while I was hiding. Oh, but by now, come together just listen listen to the melody cause my my love's in deep my love is in there hiding mm.
I love you in a place where there's no space or time. I love you for my life. You're a friend of mine. Cause when my life is over, remember when we were together. We were alone. And I was singing this song to you I love you place where there's no space or time. I love you for my life. You're a friend of mine. Cause when my life is over, Remember when we were together, we were alone, and I was singing this song to you. We were alone, and I was singing this song to you. We were alone, and I was singing this song, singing this song to you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. One more time for Modern <laughs> Blue. Without, without a space, guys. Capital B. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't you guys talk to us a little bit about your band, how you guys started, where people can listen to you? Well, we started with me and my friend Alec, who's the drummer. Me and him were originally in our other band, which is called Samaritan, and we recorded an album last summer, which is on Spotify. It's called How Do You Feel? You should look it up. It's classic rock. It's all original if you like it. And we just wanted to kind of explore with more sounds and whatnot, so we decided to do our own little side project just as a duo. And in the midst of working together, we were like, we need more instruments. We need more minds. We need more creativity. So we sought out to get more instrumentalists, more members, and Alec found <laughs> Avery playing the keyboard. Yeah, the I, was, I was just on North Campus playing in Pierpont, and <laughs> Alec came up to me and said, hey, you sounded really good. You should come record with us. And I didn't actually remember his name because it had been so long since I had seen him. And he's like, you should come record. So I came over that weekend, <laughs> and he said, 
this is our vocalist, Deshaun. And I'm like, what do you mean our vocalist? I thought we were just going to record one thing. <laughs> so apparently I was in a band. <laughs> um, yeah, he didn't really have a choice in the matter. Yeah, <laughs> worth it, though. But uh, yes, uh, so this summer we are working on our first album, As Modern Blue, and it's going to have a lot of really good songs on it. We are releasing a single called Another Page. That song is really amazing. It's um, incredible. It's incredible. It's so good. Um, it'll be dropping hopefully within the next month or so, and we'll have more information on that. So, so make sure you follow our Instagram and keep an, keep an eye on us and whatnot. <laughs> you guys, this is I'd Rather Go Blind by Etta James. Something told me it was over When I saw you and him talking now Something deep down in my soul said cry boy When I saw you and that boy walking around so I'd rather, I'd rather go blind, girl, than to see you walk away and leave me, child. So you see, I love you so much, I don't want to watch you leave me, baby. Most of all, I just don't want to be free, oh, yeah. I was just, I was just sitting here thinking of your kiss and your warm embrace now. When the reflection in the glass that I held to my lips now, baby, oh, yeah, revealed these tears on my face. So I'd rather, I'd rather go blind, girl, than to see you walk away and leave me now. So I'd rather, I'd rather go blind, oh, than to see you walk away and leave me now. Blind. Ooh. 
Leslie Welch and I um, am currently um, on faculty in public health at Wayne State University and I lecture um, in women's studies at University of Michigan. Can you speak about your experience in the healthcare system as a black woman? Um, and I know that you've worked with the Birthing Project and the Corktown Health Center so I like even things that you've observed, any anecdotes? So, that is a wonderfully broad question to consider. <laughs> I, when I hear that, I first think about um, my experiences personally and then professionally, I think, as a black woman and a mom interacting with the health care system that has been interesting and challenging at times. One of the things that has been challenging is not only the racial dynamics of things, but um, intersectionality and being in a same-gender loving partnership. And a lot of my most in interesting interactions with the health system um, have been around being pregnant and parenting mm -hmm. um, and what that has meant um, for me. I think when we think about race and health uh, and Black women in particular, some things in my experience um, that happen to be hot topics now <laughs> um, around maternal health and infant mortality. Mm -hmm. Despite being a public health professional and at the time being a doula, working in maternal child health and knowing all I thought I ever needed to know about pregnancy and childbirth um, and having um, what started off as a healthy planned pregnancy, I had an early baby. Um, my first daughter was born preterm, but not low birth weight, um, and spent time in NICU. Also in between, um, after my Zoe, I had a loss, an infant loss at five months, or um, a pregnancy loss at five months. Um, and that was super challenging and hard, and we don't often talk about mm -hmm. that. Um, and then I had a rainbow baby, my Savannah, um, came exactly on her due date. But in that, though, um, I think one of the things that is true about um, the experience of black women around health and health care is that for us, our education, our income is not protective, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so when folks talk about health care and health disparities, a lot of times folks want to talk about um, income only as something that helps you to um, rise above or not experience certain challenges. But we know um, that for black women, we still experience um, disproportionate rates of a lot of health challenges, even when um, we are educated or have a high income. Um, and that's been uh, my experience personally, um, and also the experience of women in my family. 
was with my sister-in-law the day my nephew was born and died the same day, born too early, born too small, at a local Detroit hospital. Um, another sister-in-law had the same experience um, out of state. So when I talk and teach about women's health and black women's health in particular, I am talking and teaching not only about women I've served in my career, like in Healthy Start or in Ryan White or in the Birthing Project, but I'm talking about myself mm-hmm. and I'm talking about my sisters. How do you take those experiences that are emotionally very difficult and deal with that? I think one of the things that is also true about um, African-American culture is that we are no stranger to difficult experiences. I feel like resilience is um, in our blood, (laughs) in in a sense. Um, And if it's not, certainly black mamas make you know it has to be. (laughs) Um, And so I think that um, one of the ways in which the strong black woman myth works for some of us is that we do embody that in ways that can be helpful sometimes, but also detrimental, right? Um, And so it means that we can experience challenging things and still be highly functioning, but it doesn't mean you don't suffer, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean it's not hard. And I think that um, one of the things that I learned um, with my most difficult health experience, which was the infant loss that just brought me to my knees, I mean, I learned to ask for help. Mm -hmm. At that time, I sought out grief counseling because I needed it. Um, And so I think that along with sort of celebrating resilience and being able to carry on, um, we need to know when the burdens are too much to carry. Mm -hmm. Um, Were there any specific instances like in these hospital settings or at the doctor's office where you felt like the the practitioner and could have done more or could have approached things differently? Yes. Um, In particular, um, related to the loss experience, and this, I think, is nuanced because it has to do with, I guess, the whole of who I am, right? All of my identities. I mean, when I sought out grief counseling, you know, I looked down the back of my insurance card, I picked the therapist, you know, called and, you know, got a therapist um, nearby. I think I had asked um, that they recommend for me a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went to see um, this woman, this lovely therapist, uh, <laughs> instead of uh, focusing on um, my loss and sort of why I was there, she was more interested in like how someone like me could have babies at all. And just it was one of um, my most challenging experiences personally in the health care system just her attitude toward me um, and the expectation that I you know would need to educate her on the whole of my (laughs) Mm -hmm. reproductive life before getting to the core of why I was there Um, and so I think that that mirrors though a larger lack of understanding of the LGBT experience um, with pregnancy, parenting, um, and loss, and um, sort of raises what my assumptions were about wanting to see somebody of my Mm -hmm. same race and assumptions around 
what that might mean for understanding and connection, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think that managing both being a racial minority and an attraction or sexual minority has really colored my um, experience. Mm-hmm. I think on the side of being a public health practitioner, one of the things that I have seen in my career that has been very disheartening is the differential attitudes of providers toward women of color in general. Mm -hmm. And particularly um, disheartening has been the way I have heard black women and particularly low-income black women talked about in some settings. One of the things I think is missing, right, is missing um, from the conversation, even the conversation we're having right now about maternal mortality and the rates um, for black women is a depth of understanding, um, is empathy, mm-hmm. right? Um, even when we talk about these things, a lot of folks go either straight to the policy agenda or straight to the checklist in the hospital and clinic. But what is true about what we are experiencing and about racial disparities in health and health care is that it's not about our medicine. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that, you know, we know in the U.S. we have, you know, great medical care and so forth. We have a lot of research. We know a lot about the problems and what's wrong. But what is missing um, is a depth of understanding across difference and true empathy. Scholar John Powell talks about the circle of concern, right? Like, who's in your circle of concern? Mm -hmm. And, like, what would public health and health care in the United States look like? if our circle of concern was all-encompassing mm-hmm. and was broad and we truly sought a depth of understanding of the experiences, right, of folks across difference, I think how we treat each other mm-hmm. would be a lot different. Yeah, and kind of understanding that each individual is like made up more than what is just walking into an appointment. Exactly. Which I feel like that is a big thing that people don't, like, people that even I know in, like, med school now, like, are still, like, they, if they don't have, like, the public health background, they don't mm-hmm. really understand the, the complexity of that. Right. Like, in that sense, you're seeing somebody in a snapshot of their life, mm-hmm. and everything that has led them there has been about the context of their life. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do we change that? Like, who, who is it up to to change this, this mm-hmm. issue? I think it's up to all all of us who know better, right? Ideally, when we know better, we do better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's up to all of us who are conscious about the importance of the context of our lives. All of us who are conscious about what true equity can look like mm-hmm. um, in, in health and health care. And... I think, you know, in terms of who will be driving and moving equity forward, um, it's those of us who can't sleep at night without it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, recommendations, or recommendations is a very, like, like hard word. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, ideas or ways that the general population, so, like, thinking about people who are, like, listening to this podcast or just anyone on this college campus, that what they can do to make things better for the their peers who are like facing a little bit worse than them i would say um to seek to understand Mm -hmm. and to know i think awareness and consciousness are first steps um and then i think recognizing that when we talk about sort of solutions to health disparities or when we talk about health equity that 
it's not this abstract concept. Mm -hmm. It's literally in everything we do. It's in what we believe about each other. It's in the language we use to describe and talk to one another. It's in our private actions. It's in how we vote. It's in how we interact with one another. Like, do we consider these issues only when we're in the classroom mm -hmm. or only when we're in the clinic? Or do we consider these issues when we are out in the world and we are um, voting on different policies in areas and neighborhoods or for our nation? Mm -hmm. Do we think about, like, how it will impact people who don't look like, think like, or act like whatever the us is? And do we think about equity mm -hmm. and justice? And what are we willing, right, mm -hmm. um, to consider, to do differently, or to give up, to get it? Um, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. Next week, catch our next episode about climate change. And never forget to pass, pass the, the mic. mic.